granted tonight, but we are truly blessed to be able to have the privilege to assemble together in this great nation we call home and worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords together. If you have your Bibles with you, Joshua chapter number 7, <coughs> Joshua chapter number 7 is where we're going to go tonight. I am going to do my best uh, to stay focused and on track tonight to share with you uh, what God has placed on my heart for our time together. And uh, I'm going to try to teach a little bit, maybe preach a little bit. We'll see what God has in store. But I do pray that we will have an ear to hear and a heart to receive tonight from the word of the Lord together. Uh, I know I will not get through all of my notes up here tonight, but that's all right. We'll get through what we can, okay? And maybe we'll continue uh, the rest of it a little later. But tonight, Joshua chapter number 7, we're going to begin and we're going to pick up in the middle of really a time of spiritual advancement for the children of Israel. And... Uh, most of us in this room are familiar with the exodus of the children of Israel out of the land of bondage, out of a place of hardship. And we know of the story of them wandering in the wilderness for nearly 40 years. And uh, Moses led them and it took an 11-day journey. It took them nearly 40 years to complete it because of a spirit of just rebellion to many things that God had spoken and said. But if you was to start in Joshua chapter 1, you know, and we've taught on this before, and preached from it, uh, where Moses dies, and now Joshua is given the charge to lead the children into their place of inheritance. And the word of the Lord was very clear to him. In chapter 1, he said, I want you to be strong, and I want you to be very courageous. Don't want you to go to the right or to the left, but I want you to just stand firm in what I've told you. And he says, if you'll do that, you'll have good success. You'll move forward. You'll, you'll accomplish this task that's in front of you. So if you begin to follow Joshua's assignment, you find that in chapter 2, he sends spies into the land of Jericho. And, and then we find in chapter number 3 that God gives instructions to sanctify yourself because you've never passed this way before. You're going into a place that you've never been. And he said, I want you to tell the people to get ready and position themselves. And you know the story that the Ark of the Covenant was carried by the priest. And they go and they step into the old muddy Jordan River. And the waters parted and they ended up a heap on each side and they walked across they took 12 stones out of the center of that Jordan River and they made a memorial. And the Lord said, I don't want you to ever forget it. I want you to celebrate it continually. And then we find when you go into chapter number 4 that there begins to be the celebration of that very thing, the crossing over of the Jordan River. By the time you get to chapter number 5 of this, of this book uh, that is giving us very interesting details of this journey, we find that fear now has paralyzed the hearts of the kings in the surrounding area because they knew this, 
that God was with his people. And therefore, they was fearful of what was going to happen to them. They knew it was just a matter of time until defeat was coming to them. They no longer could stand and operate in the manner that they had because God was on the scene with his people. We find that then in chapter number 6 that obedience to the word of God and the instructions of Joshua that was given that we find that the great walled city of Jericho that was not able to be penetrated was destroyed and overran because of the simple instructions that God gave Joshua to give to the people. I want you to walk around the city one time every day for six days. But on the seventh day, I want them to walk seven times, but don't want anybody saying a word until the command is given. And then I want you to give them a command, and that is to shout. And they shouted with a great shout, and the walls of Jericho came crumbling down, and they advanced. And they began to make inroads into territory that they had never been. And we find that the unlocking of the supernatural power of God was no longer just a myth, but it was something on display in a manner that they had never really saw before. They had seen a a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. They had seen water come from a rock. They had seen all types of things and witnessed all types of things. But they had never seen the walls of a city come crumbling down in front of them where they was able to advance and conquer a people that was mightier and stronger than them in the natural realm. But then we get to chapter number 7 where we're going to be tonight in verse number 1. And the very first word of that begins to tell us, but yet, or but, there is an exception. It says in this time of spiritual advancement, this time of divine favor, so to speak, it says the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Let me stop right there for a moment. The accursed thing that Achan partook of was the things that was in the city of Jericho. The Lord gave them very clear instructions. I don't want you to keep anything. I don't want you to touch anything because I've cursed it. And the reason I've cursed it is because it's all contaminated because of the idol worship and all of the stuff that's been going on in the city. I don't want you to have anything like that amongst you. What he was simply saying is this. I'm commanding you as I've always commanded you ever since Leviticus 19 and 2 that you are to be a holy people. And he was simply saying this, in this time of divine favor, this time of advancement, you have got to be holy. I can't have anything amongst you. And we find that Achan took of that, and we will find that when he did, it kindled the anger of the Lord against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Heaven, of the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and they viewed Ai and they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite it because there's no reason for people to labor. There's there's just a few of them. And so there went up thither about three thousand men. But notice, they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about 36 men. For they chased them from before the gate 
And therefore we find that the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Verse number 6, Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until evening time. And he and the elders of Israel put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we have been content and to dwell on the other side of Jordan. But, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their back before their enemies? For the Canaanites and the inhabitants of all the land shall hear of it, and they shall... uh, come around us and they shall cut off our name from the earth and what will thou do unto thy great name and the Lord said unto Joshua get up that's his nice way of telling him to be quiet and listen and he said get up wherefore liest thou upon thy faith Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen. And they have dissembled also and they have also put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore except you destroy the accursed thing from among you. So get up. Sanctify the people and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Now, if you fast forward into this chapter, over to verse number 19. We find that Joshua says to Achan, after they've called every man by his household and every tribe by his tribe, in verse number 19, Achan, he says to him, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua, and he said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils goodly babylish garments and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver is under it. For a few moments this evening, I want to preach or teach or whatever you want to call it tonight on the call holiness let us pray dear Heavenly Father I love you tonight I thank you for this privilege to stand in front of your people and to take a few moments and to share the truths of your word father tonight I pray for clarity of thought I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit let me not speak my opinion tonight but father let me be an oracle that the Holy Spirit just flows through tonight and will never cease to praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. The danger of living outside the Word of God tonight is a real danger. It's not a made-up danger, but it is a real danger. 
And we are instructed in God's word in 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse 15 and 16, that as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Leviticus 19 and 2, I referenced just a moment ago, he instructed Moses in this manner, speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Let me remind us tonight in Psalms 119, 105, the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. If the word is not present, then light is absent. And if light is absent, then we find ourselves in a place of utter darkness. And the place we find ourselves today is a place of great decision. The decision that is before us as the church in America, it is a decision of life and death. And with this decision comes great responsibility because how we respond to the call that has been given today will not just affect us, but it affects the ones that we love. It is becoming more clear every day that I live that we are giving birth to a generation that the prophets wrote about concerning the return of Christ. Allow me to say this this evening. There is a generation that is going to be present upon this earth at the return of the Lord. And I am more convinced now that this generation very well could be that generation that ushers in the return of the Lord. Therefore, with this knowledge, we must safeguard our lives to ensure that we are equipping this generation and not hindering them in this walk of life. We could not afford to have things present in our life that will hinder us in our time of advancement. There is a few areas tonight that I want to deal with, give them to you very quickly. It is the mind, the heart, the home, and the church. There is a real need today for all four of these areas to go through a cleansing process or a purging process today. You may ask why is that? Is because in recent years, and I'll get into it deeper in a few moments, the church in America has experienced an unexpected defeat in recent years. Aiken's decision paints a picture of how all four of these areas are impacted when left without boundaries. Can I remind you that landmarks of the faith are important? You've heard me say in recent weeks and months that everything is not legalism and not everything is tradition. But there is some things that God still says is required. And one of those things is living a holy life. Let me remind you tonight, the mind cannot be allowed to wander freely. It must be kept in check at all times. Because the mind is the enemy's playground. The mind must be renewed not occasionally, 
But Romans 12 and 2 tells us that we don't need to be conforming to the world, but we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And when you really begin to walk this out, it needs to be renewed daily because that can only happen, however, when we spend time alone with him. If the mind is not controlled, it will begin to become such contaminated in such a manner that it then begins to bring evil thoughts, not just in the mind, but it begins to contaminate the heart. And we find that when evil touches the heart, that it begins to make you respond and do things that normally you would not have done. See, after Achan saw the stuff in Jericho and the thought occurred because he did not denounce that thought in that moment and he began to dwell upon it, uh, it began to travel down about 12 inches uh, and it touched his heart. And you say, how do I know that? Is because then it says in his own words, I saw them and I began to covet them. Notice, he began to desire wrongfully because he began to dwell and exist outside the word of God because God's word was don't touch anything. But because there was no boundaries in his mind, the thought trickled down and touched his heart. And when his heart became touched, it became damaged by what he allowed his mind to dwell on. You see, today what we have we have a heart issue. The heart, when it becomes damaged, it becomes a very difficult thing to repair. Notice once his heart was touched, he then reached out and he took a hold of the very thing that he was instructed not to touch. He stepped outside the word of God in that moment and notice what happened. When the heart of man becomes damaged, the mind, it is normal for the mind to begin to bring self-destructive thoughts because that's what happens naturally outside the will of God or the word of God. As Achan proceeded to take the stuff, notice what he did. He then took it and placed it, buried it in his tent, which is a picture of his home. That's where he dwelt. That's where his family dwelt. And therefore, Achan's family was impacted and utterly destroyed by his decision to bring home the things that God had cursed. I ask the question tonight, is there anything in our home that is causing our families to be cursed? Just a question. Now his family has become subject to the accursed things and not only his family but now he has brought about a hindrance to the advancement of the children of Israel that is in a place of, of divine favor where God is saying, I'm allowing Joshua to lead you into your inheritance. But now we just experienced 36 men lose their life needlessly because somebody stepped outside the will of God because their mind was not renewed and now their heart has become contaminated and now they brought things and placed it into their home and now not only has he brought a curse up on his family but now the children of Israel are in a place where they are paralyzed because of the fact that he was not dwelling outside the camp of Israel but he was 
inside the camp of Israel. And it was inside the camp of Israel that demonic things was buried and present. Notice as believers tonight, we dwell within the body of Christ and therefore the church is affected by your decisions and my decisions and your actions and my actions because we are all members of the same body and and we must understand that there is a problem today among believers and it has to be addressed. Listen, I would much rather preach uh, something happy tonight, uh, but there's a problem. Men are trying to measure sin, but sin cannot be measured because sin is sin just because you think maybe that one's not as bad as this one listen all sin will separate you from the presence of God and anything that separates you from his presence is something that you don't need in your life and it is definitely not something that the local church needs to deal with because there's enough attacks going on without it notice As men are trying to justify their decision for touching the very thing that God said don't touch, notice we have to come back to where there has to be a crucifying of the flesh daily. The reason that they were to keep themselves from these things, as I mentioned earlier, God had ordered all of it to be destroyed because he had already cursed it. Listen, God does the same today we must realize sin has been cursed by God and when we give ourselves to it God cannot advance us and we keep others from advancing as well today we know many people that are multi-talented truly gifted educated even have passion hungry for their inheritance and hungry for the things of God but they can't obtain them because of what they have buried in their tent. Because the modern day leaders of the church world has watered it down in such a manner that we no longer have to be separated. We no longer have to be holy. Just God is love. And God is altogether lovely. And He would never do anything to harm you. Listen, reread your Bible, please. The family of faith has been hindered by fellow believers that are selfishly, hear me, selfishly fulfilling the desires of the flesh instead of the desires of his word. I am calling us tonight before the Lord in this very present time because please hear me the removal of stuff must occur we must purge the house if we want to see revival notice I fear that if we choose not to deal with the stuff we will be faced with the wrath of a jealous God God is a God that does not share his glory with anyone God is a God that will not wink at sin but God hates sin so much that he sent his son to die so we could be redeemed from it. Hear me good and well tonight, friends. The church is going to advance, but the question is, will you and I advance with it? Achan paid a great price for refusing to embrace the will of God. 
Sin will always take us further than we ever planned to go. Notice with me. Achan never intended to stop the advancement of the children of Israel. He never intended for his children to lose their lives. He never intended for his heart to become turned to something other than his God. He always looked and he never wanted to denounce that. But he just got to a place where he was not willing to take that salt and remove it from his life. But he began to dwell on it. And in his rebellion, notice with me, he caused death to his family and to the advancement of what God was doing at that moment. I believe the hour upon us is a very critical hour. I believe this is an hour of decision. And it's an hour of decision that has come to men and women, and we are going to have to choose to walk in complete obedience to the Word of God, or there are going to be a denying of access into the new things that God is doing in this moment of time in history Because God is not going to entrust this move of the Spirit with someone that is not walking in a state of holiness. It's time for a cleansing to take place within the walls of the church in America. I knew you wouldn't shout me down tonight, but that's all right. But I want to talk to you tonight because I want you to hear me tonight. We in America especially, we tend to think that holiness is something that we do or more often something that we don't do however holiness is a possession more than a practice stay with me we could not be holy by trying God is not holy because of what he does God is holy because of who he is it is his nature to be holy Whenever God wants to really emphasize something in Scripture, He will repeat it multiple times. He never repeats in Scripture, God is love, love, love. Never read that one time. God, He never repeats this, God is good, good, good. You never read that. Even though He is a God of love. Even though He is a God that is good. But you will find on two different occasions where Scripture states that God is holy, holy, Holy. Isaiah 6 and 3 and Revelations 4 and 8 is the two places you'll find it. But let me read Isaiah 6, 1 through 7 in your hearing tonight. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Man, I could preach that tonight. Above it stood the sea frames. Each one had six wings. With twine he covered his face, and with twine he covered his feet, and with twine he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seaphrims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Notice what Isaiah was saying is this. He said, I saw the holiness of God. And he said, Woe is me. Why is that important tonight? Notice with me. Not only do scriptures say that God is holy, but we are commanded. It is not a suggestion, but tonight we are commanded to be holy also. 
I done gave you Leviticus 19 and 2 where the Lord said, Speak unto the congregation and tell them, You shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. But in 1 Peter six, chapter 1, verse 16, Because it is written, Be holy for I am holy. Let me tell you tonight, holiness is not haughtiness. Some people think that they are holy because they are, they, they are opposed to everything. Listen, that's not been holy. That's just been stupid. Can I say it that plain? Listen, holiness is not hardness. Haughtiness, some people think, well, I'm holy because I'm so much better in my behavior than you are in your behavior. That, 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 that doesn't make any sense to me at all. But, but when you look at it, holiness also is not unhappiness. Some people think that because they are holy, they have to be miserable, that they can't participate in anything. But that's not holiness tonight. I'll tell you what holiness is. Holiness speaks of God's moral excellence or his transcendence. And the dictionary defines transcendence as exceeding the usual limits or surpassing or extending or lying beyond the limits of an ordinary experience. And that's what we read in Isaiah 6, 1 through 7. He's like, listen, this is above me and beyond me. I'm seeing God in a manner that most have never saw him. And therefore, he said this thing, holiness, is something that's far beyond just a surface of religion. But it goes further than that. And the only way for sinful mankind, such as you and I, to be holy is to personally experience a holy God. Notice Hebrews 2 and 11 tells us, For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. The only way I'm able to be holy is if I get hooked up with a holy God. The only way I can walk in a manner where holiness is something that, that, that can be said about me is the fact that I live in the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords because his nature is holy. And if I put on his nature, then I'm going to put on holiness. Now, stay with me tonight. Holiness is not only a position from God, but it is a progression with God. Hebrews 12 and 14 tells me, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. He says follow means this, you walk in it, you, 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 you walk after it, you follow it. Uh, but it goes further than that because in Romans 6, 19 and 22 it says speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of our flesh uh, for as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity and unto iniquity even so now yield your members servants to righteousness and holiness but in verse 22 but now been made free from sin and become servants to God you have your fruit unto holiness uh, and the end everlasting life now why is this important tonight? Notice with me, what is the fruit of holiness? To be holy is to be blessed of God. It's not to be miserable, but it is to be blessed of God. Now, Matthew 5, 3 through 11, you read of what it is to be blessed. I'm not going to read that tonight, but you can read that in your, in your time this week. 
But to bless, notice this, I'm going to blow a lot of legalists out of the water right now. To be blessed simply means to be happy. So I know if somebody's living a holy life. Don't you come in here all frowning and down and miserable. Listen, no, 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 no. If I'm walking in holiness, I'm walking in a manner where I'm blessed by God. Some of you ought to just resurrect that song. Don't worry, be happy. That'll date you on it. Listen, we are not supposed to be dry and miserable and full of lack in our lives, but if we are really been in the presence of God, if we are really men and women that's living a holy life, uh, it means this, we're walking in a manner where God is bestowing blessings upon us, uh, and we begin to walk in a manner where we have joy, where we have rest, uh, where we have peace, uh, where we have love oozing out of us, uh, where the goodness of God is something uh, that, that just penetrates from us. Uh, listen, uh, you can talk about being holy, and I'm not going to, uh, listen, I'm not going to knock those before me. Uh, but I've known a lot of people that had hair taller than them on their head. Uh, and they wasn't holy. I visit some of those places from time to time still because I love them. I question whether they love me. A few. I see the stairs when I walk in. Listen. Holiness has not been haunted. Well, bless God, if he, if he was really, if he, if he was just like his daddy, man, then, then maybe. Listen, they can have all that they want to. Listen, I'm talking about holiness. I'm talking about living in a manner where the world begins to desire what you and I have, where we become the salt and the light of the world in which we live. Listen, when somebody walks in holiness, they're walking in the divine favor of God in such a manner that they begin to turn a world upside down because the simple fact, uh, the anointing of God is on your life uh, and when you operate in the spirit of God, things change. That means when somebody's holy and they pray, somebody gets delivered, somebody gets set free, uh, somebody gets healed. Uh, when somebody that is holy begins to call out on behalf of somebody that's lost, uh, the prodigal begins to find themselves coming to them senses uh, in the hog lot and they run to the house of the Lord and they have a new beginning and a fresh start. Uh, we've got to get back to holiness this evening. Now listen, is it really that important? Yes, it is. Notice, in America, we have a history that is wonderful. Not everything we've done has been good. But we have a history. When I talk about a history tonight, I'm going to talk about a spiritual history. We have a spiritual history in this nation of awakenings and revivals. But notice, I want to give you a few of them. The Great Awakening in 1734 through 1743. Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield was present. They preached under the power and the anointing of God. 
multitudes came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The year 1800 through 1840, we experienced the second great awakening. We find that James McCready in, in, in Kentucky and Charles Finney, uh, listen, we saw in that 40-year period, a believers of 350,000 was transferred into 3 million believers uh, in a 40-year period because of revival. The businessman's revival of 1857 and 1858, Jeremiah Langfield, uh, he saw $1 uh, gain uh, in the church because of a prayer meeting that was started in the middle of the afternoon. We find that the Civil War revival of 1861 through 1865, that over 300 uh, soldiers gave their life uh, on the battlefield. Uh, uh, When I say give their life, I'm not talking about lost their life, uh, but they gave their life and said, Lord, I I need you. Uh, And they surrendered in the midst of, uh, of a great conflict. In our nation, uh, we find the urban revival of 1875 through 1885 where Dwight Moody uh, was instrumental and saw an untold number of men and women come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, we find that then the revival of 1905 and 1906 uh, and also the Welsh revival was at the same time where Billy Sunday was used in a marvelous way where over one million people gave their life to the Lord. Uh, we then find in 1906 Uh, in Los Angeles at 312 Azusa Street. Uh, The Azusa Street Revival, William Seymour, uh, an African-American blind in one eye, began to uh, pray and call out to God. We find that the post-World War II awakening of 1947-1948, it gave birth to two separate strands of revival. The one was called the Latter Rain Revival, the second the Healing Revival. We see an untold uh, number of people come to the knowledge of Christ and be delivered and set free. It is in that time that Bill Bright started the Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, We then find in 1949, Billy Graham began uh, his work in evangelism, and it is estimated that over in his year uh, in his years of ministry over 180 million uh, heard him minister uh, we find that then in 1950 Wheaton College revival uh, began to take place amongst the young adults of this land we then find in 1960 there was the charismatic renewal uh, and the Jesus movement uh, that gave birth to the Asbury College revival uh, in 1970 uh, we then find and fast forward to the mid 1990s uh, talks about the Toronto Blessing, uh, the Melbourne Revival, the Brownsville Revival, uh, but larger than any of them uh, was the Promise Keepers Revival in the mid-1990s. October the 4th, 1997, over one million men gathered in D.C. on the National Mall and began to stand and pray. But after 1997, everything began to seem like it was a halting and a stopping. And I began to look in the early 2000s. And we have seen little sparks here and little dashes there. Uh, We've seen people try to recreate some of these that I just mentioned. uh, But really nothing of great significance. Uh, And what happened is this. uh, I will tell you what happened. Uh, It looked like in the 90s something was getting ready to really bust forward. Uh, It looked like there was really something getting ready to happen in this nation. Uh, Brother John Kilpatrick will be in service with him for two nights uh, in May. You all get an invitation to do that. It's only an hour 
from here. He was the pastor of that, uh, of that great church in Brownsville. Uh, we find that in the midst of Brownsville taking place and promise keepers uh, and the Toronto blessing, it looked like God was getting ready to birth another great awakening. Uh, but all of a sudden, something happened. Uh, and I began to study this and I began to pray about it uh, and I began to meditate upon it. And I'll tell you what happened uh, is the very thing that happened in Joshua chapter 7 uh, is the very thing that happened uh, at the end of the 90s. Uh, there was an aching spirit that got a hold of the church. Uh, men and women began to touch things that God says was cursed. Uh, we began to applaud same-sex marriage. Uh, we began to applaud uh, abortion. Uh, we began to applaud all of the things that God said, don't touch it, don't let it be named among you. Uh, we began to let the pastors stay in the pulpit uh, as they fornicated. Uh, we began to continue to say, well, it don't really matter. Uh, we've been beyond this. Uh, let's just restore this. And oh, let's just restore that. Uh, and we didn't restore anything because we didn't deal with the sin. Uh, what we did, we let people take their garments. Uh, we let them take their silver. And we let them take their gold. Uh, and we let them bury it and put it in their house. Uh, and we did not realize uh, that with us looking the other way, uh, we were stopping uh, what God was advancing. Uh, and God said, I can't bless a mess. Never have, never will. Uh, and he said, if you don't want to walk in holiness, that's all right. Uh, you can just stand there uh, and you can continue to bury 36 more here uh, and 36 more there. Uh, I'll let AI just overrun you and overpower you uh, and you can have all of the religious uh, things that you want, uh, but I am not going to bless you. Uh, I'm not going to give you an awakening. I'm not going to give you a revival uh, until you come back to a place uh, where you're willing to get up and sanctify yourself uh, because he said this to them uh, and he's saying it to you and I today. Uh, it's time to get up uh, and get over this garbage uh, because there is a place that I have for you uh, and you can't get there with the mess that you have now. Uh, and he said you're going to have to repent. Uh, Joshua it's not about what Achan did but it's about you being the man of God that I called you to be. Uh, listen uh, there's some Joshua's uh, that's going to have to take some authority uh, and they're going to have to get uncomfortable uh, and they're going to have to be stretched to the limit. Uh, but listen uh, it was his responsibility uh, to get Israel into the place of promise. Uh, it's our responsibility. You hear me. Uh, it's our responsibility to get our family uh, into the presence of God. Uh, and if that makes somebody uncomfortable, so be it. Uh, but this preacher's going to tell you, get your house in order. Uh, get back to holiness. Uh, get back to being separated. Uh, get back to being a man and a woman of prayer and fasting. Uh, get back to being somebody uh, that when you pray, you feel the anointing of God in such a manner uh, that your five-minute prayer turns into a two-hour prayer uh, and where you say, God, uh, I'm yours. Use me ever how you will. Listen, uh, there's a generation that's dying and going to hell. Somebody's got to get holy. I can't get holy by doing something in the natural. Hear me. If I put a white shirt on or if I put a colored shirt on, that don't make me holy. If I wear a necktie or don't wear a necktie, that don't make me holy. If your skirt's dragging the ground or if it's an inch above your knee, that don't make you holy. Listen, there is a moral standard, yes. There is a separated life, yes. But please hear me. We've got to get back to where we are being instructed by the Holy Spirit of God, not men. Hear me tonight. 
Holiness is the only thing that brings and births revival. Because holiness is the only thing that he can bless and favor. The question tonight is are we holy? My righteousness is nothing more than filthy rags. All of the stuff I try to accomplish comes to naught. Unless, unless I step back into a place where I'm under the umbrella of his word. Please hear me. The word of God is the will of God. And the will of God is the word of God. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something that contradicts the word of God. We have got to get back to where we are being led by the Holy Spirit in such a manner that no matter which way the world goes, we stand steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I don't let my circumstance get me off track. I don't let all the noise of the world get me off track. But I understand this. I know what my purpose is. Do you understand your purpose tonight? Let me remind you tonight. We are ambassadors of the kingdom. That's your purpose. As a saint of God, as someone that can raise their hand and say, I'm saved and on my way to heaven. Your objective is no longer what it was before you met him. But your objective now, your first allegiance now is to the kingdom of God. Where you lead, I will follow. Do you hear me? Whatever you say, I'll respond to. But hear me. The world is pulling us in every direction. Men saying you need to do this and do that and do this and do that. Listen. Death comes when men do their thing. Life comes when men walk in obedience to the things of God. And right now, when we look around the world in which we live, there is men and women dying all around us. And we faithfully go to the house of the Lord. I'm glad that we do. But that's not enough, my friend. But somebody's got to get back to holiness. I will tell you this tonight. The reason there's so many issues within the church walls today in America is because the heart is not right. When a man or a woman really gets into the presence of God, man will not have to tell you how to behave, but you will naturally behave in a manner that is pleasing to him. Doesn't mean we don't have bad days. Doesn't mean that we all don't make mistakes or fall. But listen, we would not have, we would not have the crises that we deal with Monday through Saturday in the lives of men and women if men and women was just holy. But you will not get holy. I will not get holy by just saying I'm this or that. But holiness is something that can only be obtained 
when men and women make a conscious decision to abide in the presence of God and in his word. And that's why tonight, when I look from the end of the 90s till now, 2020, we're just a little over a 20-year period. And in this nation, no revival, no awakening, but quite the opposite. 1,700 pastors quit every month. Church attendance at an all-time low across the nation. On average, two to 300 churches close every month. On average, a new church plant will only last eight years, if it lasts eight years. All of the numbers are going this way. But yet, in the church, we've adopted everything that the world says we need to adopt to be successful. And yet still, we sit idle. The church that used to be available seven days a week is now open for a couple hours on Sunday. It is impossible, nearly impossible, to get a hold of a man of God or a woman of God in ministry unless you have their private cell phone in the culture in which we live today or unless you contact them through social media. Because today, you call the church office, nobody's there. Why? It's because, well, it's really... It's really, we really don't, we don't have much going on. We just, this is that. This is taking priority. So here's the deal. The church is absent because there's an absence of holiness. Because when the man or woman is holy in the sight of God, they're going to feel like he feels. They're going to desire like he desires. And you will find that when Jesus walked this earth, he wouldn't just show up at the synagogue on the Sabbath day. But every day of his life, he was in the streets with the people, touching them, teaching them. He was with his disciples continually, every day for three and a half years, training them and teaching them and developing them. Now, how much training and how much developing is really going on with our children and with our teenagers? It's nearly become an impossible task to train up a generation because we're training them in everything that the world offers instead of anything that the church offers. Why is it? It's because our hearts are turned more towards the things of the world than towards the things of God. I, I know this is hard to hear tonight because it, 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 it hits us right here and we don't like it. Listen, we don't like it. I'm going to tell you what that little hit is right there. Don't get mad at the preacher. That's called the convicting power of the Holy Spirit where God says, listen, come back to me. Come back to me. Why? Listen, if we continue to cut, touch the accursed things, somebody's going to be putting dirt over your baby and your grandbaby and your great-grandbaby because you're going to be under the cursings of God instead of the blessings of God because God says, listen, those that know to do right 
and don't do it, it becomes a sin unto them. Hear me. A call to holiness is not a call to hardness. It's not a call to haughtiness. It's not a call to unhappiness. But it's a call of coming back to the presence of God and living there in such a manner where God says, all right, now you're positioned and we can advance you into the place that I've ordained for you. Can I tell you the things that he has for his people are wonderful. But we can't just walk in and get it. We got to become holy. Listen, it's not about any act you do. It's about you becoming willing to submit and surrender completely to him. Tonight as they come to the music, I could say so much more. But tonight, to be holy simply means to be blessed. And I mentioned this already. Blessed simply means to be happy. But it also means this. It means to be envied, and it also means to be spiritually prosperous. God wants you to be prosperous tonight. And God wants you to walk with such divine favor that you're envied by the world. Hear me tonight. I believe with all of my heart as I'm standing before you tonight I believe that right now there is a, a very strategic attack of the enemy and this attack is nothing more than to bring a disruption and an unsettling to the peace of God's people I tell you we're we're 26 days into this year and I can tell you this there are those that are connected to me my extended family and others and it has been nothing but an all out assault against them the enemy is doing everything in his power to destroy them to bring death to them I've had my family in my home to care for them and to love on them. In the midst of that, the enemy shows up in this one and then shows up in this one and clouds the mind of this one and tells this one life's not worth living, then tells this one I don't want to live anymore and then this, listen, it's all around me. Here I am. Some of my other family. Here we are. Faithful to the house of the Lord. Doing what we know to do. And that's just the problem. We're doing what we know to do. Instead of coming to a place where we just say, God. I just desire to see you in all of your glory. And I've, I've had to say, Lord, I'm just a man of unclean lips. 
God, I just need to see you. Because I've come to understand this, if I can just see him, if I can just see him in his holiness and in his glory, and if I am permitted to have access beyond the, beyond the veil and I can just spend a few moments in his presence, I know I'll be forever changed. And that which is his then becomes mine and then I don't have to try to do what I understand. I just have to stand and be and his light begins to illuminate the darkness and his peace begins to radiate in the room and begins to bring divine reversal and listen tonight if I could run in my own strength and save them I would but I can't if I could take three points and a catchy phrase I'd find three points and a catchy phrase and I'd run to them but that won't do either but I tell you what we'll do is when men and women come under the umbrella of his word in such a manner that they'll walk six times around the city and never really say anything and on that seventh day walk seven times and don't say anything till he says to say something and walls fall down and there's a display of his power and of his authority it is then where the holiness of God and the power of God is on display in such a manner through the lives of mere men and women that a world begins to be turned upside down and the hopeless begins to be filled with hope and the destitute begins to run to a place of refuge but it doesn't happen until you and I come back to a place of being holy tonight I'm not going to give you a list of do's and don'ts I'm not going to tell you follow these 10 steps or these 12 steps or whatever no 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 I'm just going to tell you what the word of the Lord says the word of the Lord says this come out you from among the world and be ye separate saith the Lord and I will receive you unto myself and I'll be a father unto you you'll be my sons and you'll be my daughters what he was saying is this you're going to have to decide where you're going to dwell where you're going to live you can live in the things of the world and you can reap what the world reaps or you can transition because through the blood of Jesus you have been given access to come and to sit in my throne and in my throne there is a display of holiness because that's my nature and when you sit in my presence and you begin to learn of me and you begin to eat of me you begin to eat of things and you begin to partake of things that begins to change your nature and your nature becomes holy your passion becomes that of his and 
you begin to have a desire for the word. You begin to desire to be in his presence. You can't get enough. You begin, you begin to desire in such a manner that, that everything else loses its glitter. Everything else loses its uh, drawl. And you begin to just be drawn to his presence in such a manner that you just want to bask there. And it is then that our nature is changed. Notice with me what happens is when you're in his presence... His glory then becomes transferable and it's transferred. Notice when Moses was in the mountain with him and he came down, the glory of the Lord shone about him in such a manner there had to be a veil on his face. People couldn't look at him. Why? He was still just a mere man. But he had been in the presence of God. He had been exposed to the holiness of God and therefore the glory of the Lord was about him. Listen, there is men and I'm closing. There is men and women that I have come in contact with. I've sat at tables with. I've had conversations with. And because they was in the room, the atmosphere in the room was different. I've walked into hospital rooms where people was dying and in great distraught and and I don't say this braggingly or boastfully, but there's been a few times that I've walked in on assignment into a very dark situation. And after everything transpired, and after God miraculously moved on people's lives and situations, somebody in that room would catch me in the hallway and said, Pastor, we don't know what just happened, but when you walked in the room, something changed. Tell you what happened. It was in those moments of time where we had put everything else aside and we got into the presence of God in such a manner that when we walked in, the holiness of God walked in and darkness has to be dispelled. You and I can live in that realm today, but it doesn't just happen, it has to be done on purpose. How do I do that on purpose? It's by you pick up your cross daily and you follow Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. But when you follow him and you've been in his presence and the glory of the Lord is present, if you look behind you, men and women will begin to follow. Why? Because they no longer see you and me at all. They simply just see Jesus. As I shared with you on Wednesday night, Smith Wigglesworth, 35 years, the last 35 years of his life, he told the Lord, he said, Lord, don't ever let them see me. Let them just see you. My prayer tonight is that they don't see me at all they simply see Jesus when I come in contact with my family and those in the community this week Lord don't let them see me but let them see you because when they see him there's a release and there's hope and there's strength and there's divine reversals Achan caused death to come and he caused a halting to the advancement of the children of Israel simply because he stepped outside the word of God and said I don't necessarily have to be holy
I can touch what I want. Let us tonight, as we stand all over this house, be men and women enough not to look outward, but to look inward and to ask the question, have I allowed something to be in my house or in my life? Have I allowed something to be brought into the midst of my family? To halt what God is wanting to do right now? This is not hype. This is not to try to get you to get excited, but I'm here to tell you tonight, God is desiring to do a new thing in the earth today. God is desiring to do something fresh and new in Connersville, Indiana, in the Whitewater Valley, and many other places across this nation. But I'm going to be bold enough to tell you tonight, it'll only happen in the places where men and women are willing to come back to a state of holiness, a place of separation, a place where we'll call sin, sin call righteousness righteousness listen I know some are not going to understand it some will say preacher it's too hard it's too difficult but listen he's calling us to come out from among the world to be separate so that he can anoint us with a special anointing listen he, did, he is not going to serve us yesterday's manna but there is fresh manna from heaven right now for the church right now. And I'm, I'm here to tell you this last day wave, this prophetic anointing that God is bringing, this realm of the supernatural that God is bringing, the world has never seen the likes of it yet. But there is an uncapping of the things of God. And some of you have been attacked and some of you have been Distracted, and some of you have experienced just the onslaught attack of the enemy in recent days. And I'm here to tell you, it's nothing more than the enemy trying to strategically keep you from the place that God wants you to be. And He wants you to be in His presence because in His presence is where we put on His manner. And when we put on the manner of who He is, uh, we begin to walk in holiness in such a manner that we turn a world upside down. Listen, tonight, we don't need churchgoers. We need world changers. I want you all here Wednesday night if you can. I want you all here Sunday morning if you can. I want you here Sunday night if you can. Because we're instructed. When we see what we see doing going on in the world today, we're to assemble ourselves the more so. Because we're going into evil times where we really need one another. Because we really need to be connected with one another. But listen, I need you to do more than just come to church. I need you to be somebody that's holy, that's set apart for the service of God, where you can be the one that can walk into Walmart or walk into the Kroger or walk into wherever and see somebody in a state of need, in a state of hurt, and begin to minister to them. And the Holy Spirit of God change the situation in the moment. Listen, the enemy don't lie to people just two hours on Sunday. He lies to them 24-7 continually. And you, you come in contact with them. But listen, religion won't deliver them. Yesterday's revival won't deliver them. But when you and I have a revival fire burning inside of us where we're walking in a manner where the holiness of God is present. Oh, 
did you realize Walmart can become a healing station? Shell at pump number four can become a healing station and a delivering station. Did you realize the slurpee machine can become a place of divine deliverance? Did you realize a 44-ounce soda that you ain't allowed to drink for another seven days or eight days can become that place where God shows up and more than soft drinks is delivered, but deliverance from the strongholds that is tormenting men can be broken in a moment of time. Somebody's got to pay the price. Somebody's got to be willing to make war on the floor one more time and say, God, if you can use anything, use me. Tonight, on a Sunday evening, will we examine our hearts, will we examine our lives and say, God, have I allowed too much? Have I given too much space? I know this may sound radical to some, but listen, there's some things as a man of God and a woman of God you just don't need. I don't care how well the world markets it and tells you you do need it. You can live without it. And you'll find out you'll live better without it. There's some fads and trends that your children just don't need to participate in because it doesn't bring glory and honor to God. It does the opposite. But I want them to fit in, preacher. Listen, I never fit in, and I turned out all right. Hold your opinions to yourself. That's my opinion. Listen. Somebody, somebody has got to understand what it is to walk in holiness again. Tonight, it all begins when a man or a woman humbles themselves in the presence of Almighty God and says, God, take the light that only you can and shine it in the darkest corners of my home, in the darkest corners of my heart, and if there's something there, show me, reveal it to me, and with your help, I'll remove it from my life. Not removing it because a preacher said to quit it, not because of tradition, but because of thus saith the Lord. I will tell you today, there's a lot of things I probably could do that wouldn't keep me out of heaven. But a lot of those things, God said, you don't need them anymore in your life. So I just politely put them aside and I don't have them in my life. Some says that's foolish. Listen, I'm not trying to get as close to the world and still make it to heaven. I'm trying to get as close to God as I can because I'm here to tell you there's a harvest that needs to be brought in. And I can't bring them in in my strength. I have to have his strength. And I only get his strength if he finds favor in the life that I'm living. So tonight, mommies and daddies, grandmas and grandpas, you hear me. You have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. Don't you take it lightly. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you don't train up those children, the world is more than willing to train them. 
And they're more than willing to teach them everything that goes against everything you stand for today. But you got to take responsibility. You're not going to put that on me. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to teach and preach. I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to stay in a place of prayer. And I'm going to seek the will of God. And I'm going to be their biggest cheerleader. But listen, you got to train them. you got to do life with them. you got to get to a place where you take those phones and all those other devices and set them aside and say, you know what, right now it's time for family prayer. Right now it's time for the word to be read. Right now it's a time for the word to be declared over this house and over this family. You say, oh, but that's going to really change my schedule. Your schedule needs to be changed. Because I'm going to tell you something. There are men and women of God that has a mandate on their life. And if you don't develop it, they won't step into their destiny. You can't tell me that Achan didn't love his kids. You can't tell me Achan didn't love his family. You can't tell me Achan didn't love the children of Israel. He went to battle with them. He walked with them. He fought with them. He walked around the walls of Jericho with them. Listen, he shouted with them. But he lost his focus. It's time to get our focus back. We need God more now than we've ever needed him. God, help us tonight. God, help us tonight. What do you do after a message such as this? You just say, come and pray. You say, God, mold us, make us, develop us, and help us. So tonight, I'm just going to invite you to join me as we call out to God and say, God, forgive us if we're off track. But God, restore us because we need you. More than anything else this world has, we need you. And God, help me to be holy in the sight of you. Help me. Help me to be what you're calling me to be. Before we leave tonight, would you come? You can stand. You can kneel.